Do you know how your business stacks up compared to average and high profit operations in the industry? Get your financial questions answered by participating in NHPA's 2021 Cost of Doing Business Study. Participation is free and easy. It takes just a few minutes to complete and your personal information is confidential. When you participate, you'll receive a free copy of the study, a $499 value, along with a personalized financial analysis of your operation with ratios and other financial tools. The deadline to participate is fast approaching. To learn more or get started, visit yournhpa.org slash CODB. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More, hosted by myself, Renee Shagnon. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Gina Schaefer, co-founder and owner of A Few Cool Hardware Stores, a 13-store chain in D.C., Baltimore, and Alexandria, Virginia, and we're also talking with Anne-Marie Buck, the company's HR director. Tune into the episode to learn about Anne-Marie's role in the company and her and Gina's thoughts on how retailers can foster an operation that promotes diversity, equity, and inclusion. Welcome to the podcast, Gina and Anne-Marie. Hi. Hi. We're so happy to have you on. Um... I've just been bothering Gina left and right, so I'm excited that she's still willing to talk to us and and share her thoughts and insights. And you as well, Anne-Marie. Thank you. So before we dive in, I'd love to get a little background um, on both of you. Gina, you've been in a webinar we recently did, but uh, for anyone who's listening to this who maybe hasn't caught the webinar or the last podcast you were on 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 my uh, show about a year ago, uh, maybe give a little bit of background for our retailers and then I'll have Anne-Marie, if you could do the same thing, that would be great. Sure. Uh, so um, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having us back. We'll talk anytime you want us to, Renee. We're happy to, happy to help you out. Uh, my great. probably two second elevator pitch, um, I was born and raised in Northeastern Ohio. I moved to Washington, D.C. in 1993 after graduating uh, from Wittenberg University, if there's any Witt grads listening. And I opened my first Ace Hardware store in 2003. So I moved into a neighborhood that was in sore need of any kind of business. It was coming back from having been destroyed by the riots when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And so we were here when the boards were coming off the walls and windows and opened that first store in 2003, opened a second in 2005, and then basically one a year for 10 years after that. So we operate, um, 13 locations now, 250 to 300 employees, depending on the season. And thank goodness I have someone like Anne-Marie to help me uh, corral everybody in and continue learning. So, Anne-Marie, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself um, and also kind of tell us how long you've been involved with the company and some of your background um, in HR as well? Uh, yeah, I joined the company a little over eight years ago. I joined uh, actually the Monday after they had just celebrated their 10th year anniversary at Logan. Ah, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually have a strict HR background. It was just happened to be a portion of every job I did. And so something I wanted to focus more on. And I was really intrigued by this role because it allowed me to do like sort of every bit of HR since I'm an HR department of one. And I really enjoy yeah. the fact that no two days are alike. And sure. yeah, I... And I actually got my interview because I mentioned in my cover letter that when I was 15, I actually worked in a hardware store in Lumberyard. So, yeah, so that's sort of my, uh, you know, my life came full circle, which I really enjoy. And 
uh, I guess my role, I mean, I do a little bit of everything. So, you know, I think the scariest part when I joined was the benefits piece because the ACA was starting and I didn't really have any benefits background. But other than that, I had done mm -hmm. a little bit of everything in my prior jobs. I'd worked in um, uh, movie theater management for many years. I worked in education for a while. I actually worked in the healthcare industry for a little bit and had done employee relations, hiring, um, recruitment, um, policy setting. I'd done just a little bit of everything. So that's sort of how I fit into here. That's so cool. And I love the tie back to uh, your start in the hardware industry at, at 15 or 16 years old. That had to, that had to have uh, tugged at, at Gina's heartstrings a little bit. Well, we at the time had hired an HR consultant. Um, and I okay. we might get to this later in the podcast, but we realized that we were too big to not have someone in an HR role at one point in our history, um, obviously the point where Anne Marie joined us. And so we had hired an HR yeah. consultant who agreed to help us find an HR manager. And so I, yeah. I almost had nothing to do with it. I think we should give her the credit for noticing the fact that Anne Marie had that teeny tiny bit of hardware experience on her resume. So we owe it to her. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So um, for anyone listening, we did a webinar recently um, and Gina was the, uh, I guess you would say keynote, um, but she basically shared um, all about how to lead a diverse team. And she shared several different nuggets of wisdom, uh, things that they've implemented in their operation. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, you can go to um, yournhpa.org and go to webinars and you can watch the webinar if you haven't seen it yet. So that's just a little plug for the webinar. Um, and that might actually be a great way to get started before you really dive into this podcast. But uh, we really wanted to make this uh, package full, full, go full circle. Cause I talked to you in the beginning with the webinar. Um, and then in the June issue of the magazine, hardware retailing, where we have a story all focused on diversity and inclusion as well. Um, and then we wanted to round it out with a podcast, uh, talking to both of you and kind of hearing maybe some more insights or, or tips that you might have, um, both as an owner and from an HR perspective that retailers who maybe they have a larger operation and they haven't been doing anything with it, or even if they have a smaller operation and they're realizing we need to kind of get our heads around um, this topic. It's it's uh, something that's always been there, but I think there's definitely been more of a focus in the past year. Um, so we're just excited to have you both on. But um, Gina, do you mind maybe telling me a little bit about um, how Amory was able to help in in this regard and on the topic of and it's a it's a ranging topic, but of diversity, equity, and inclusion sure. in your operation. So, you know, we're fortunate enough uh, in Washington, D.C. To, to be in, and in Baltimore and in Alexandria, to be in uh, diverse communities. And so looking for diversity or feeling like it's something that we might have to deal with, and I'm using air quotes, because uh, we don't deal with it. It's our life. It's our reality. And we love that about where we are. So we have the benefit of already being diverse. Um, but when Anne Marie started, we, we joke about this now, but I was telling everyone that we were a best, a great place to work and no one was leaving and we had zero turnover, which is not, it, it's not the reality in retail in a lot of regards. And so we had hired Anne Marie. I had originally said, everything's going to be great. You're not going to see any problems and it's going to be rosy. And I see her smiling because she knows that I'm lying. Um, and she hung her HR shingle and all of a sudden people started calling. Um, 
But what that told us is one, it was time, we really needed to have someone in our role, and that there was opportunity for improvement. So we started uh, very basically uh, by tracking turnover. And mm -hmm. once we started tracking turnover, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, but once we started tracking turnover, uh, we had a chance to look at a lot of other things. For example, who was leaving? Not just why they were leaving, but who are they leaving? Did we have a store where all the women were leaving? Is that something that we needed to address? Do we have a store in a neighborhood that is super diverse, but the entire staff uh, might be young white men, just as an example? Um, and that gave us a place to start once we surveyed uh, what the stores looked like. So I would say bringing Emory on board gave our operation the opportunity or the, the intelligence, the, the knowledge to be able to do that. Um, you know, I was really busy just trying to figure out how to run the stores and grow the business. Mm -hmm. And I think these things are so important, but I couldn't give enough focus to them. So bringing Anne Marie on board gave us an opportunity to, to focus. Definitely. Um, so can you share maybe a little bit about why you think that diversity, equity, inclusion are all important um, things and and should be recognized among retailers and how would you, I guess, define each of those things individually and maybe why they, those are important. If someone hears it, you know, it's kind of a buzzword right now talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. So just maybe to break it down for someone who's like just new to even thinking about it. Yeah, Marie, you want to take a stab at that first? Sure. I think that, um, A, when you're homogenous, you become stagnant and yeah. you you lack any sort of perspective. If everybody thinks the same, you're never going to be creative in your problem solving or in even your identification of what problems you might have because you are all seeing everything from the same perspective. And yeah. I, I think some of the most brilliant advice is to never surround, you know, to surround yourself with a bunch of people who are smarter than you. And there are people who are smarter than us in different areas and it all it comes from their perspective from their background and whether that background comes from their their gender or their race or their upbringing or their experiences however that change in perspective comes from that different perspective comes from it adds to a discussion uh problem solving uh and they just the identification of ways you can improve can I, I just, if I could just jump in, you, you know, you're, you're asking why you think it's important. And I think from a, just from a purely, just from a business standpoint, let's not talk about it from humanity or what we think, uh, what we think is right. Uh, the Harvard Business Review has done a lot of research around the topic of diversity and building businesses. And the businesses that are the most diverse, the boards, for example, that are the most diverse are outperforming all of their peers. So, you know, at its very basic um, you know, anyone who might be hesitant about the topic or feel like it's not something they need to explore should probably read some of that research and just look at it first from a business yeah. perspective. Um, you know, I, we, want our, we want our employees to reflect our customer base. And so our yeah. customers, when they walk in, are going to feel comfortable if they see employees that look like them. Right. I mean, I walked yeah. into a hardware store as a young woman and I wanted to find a woman because I just felt like it wouldn't be embarrassing to me or it would feel more comfortable to me. Um, and so I like to think that, that that's been an underlying um, reason for us. Uh, yeah, also. definitely. Yeah. I do think it also promotes people feeling comfortable going into your business when they know that 
you know, they're represented and there might be someone that, that looks or thinks or it speaks like that. Maybe they speak another language. You know, there's just so many different factors that kind of play into it. Yep. Um, so do you mind, um, maybe telling me a little bit of some of the benefits and I know we've already kind of talked about this, but what are some of the benefits that you've seen in your operation having a diverse, a diverse team of employees and, um, do you, are, are people um, experiencing uh, growth and growing within the company um, across the board and just getting to have those opportunities in your operation? Like, that must feel good as well. I, yeah, I think that, you know, when, and I think this goes back to the point that I was making as well as Gina making, that I only see things from my own perspective. And sometimes people are like, hey, there's this issue going on over here. I might have never even seen or been aware of because it doesn't, I'm not saying this right, um, because it's not on my radar, right? Because it's not yeah. something that's sort of impacting me because different people see different things. And what, if a customer comes in and is rude to, you know, one of our, you know, black employees or Hispanic employees or whatever, I'm not necessarily going to pick up on it as easily because I'm not of those ethnicities. Whereas I'm going to be more sensitive when somebody's, you know, treating a female less well. So it brings yeah. it things, it, it brings it as a topic of conversation. Hey, this is happening. And then you have the opportunity to address it and deal with it. If you don't see it, if you don't necessarily have the perspective to see it and understand it, you might not realize you need to address it. I think Renee, you had said um, the benefits of growth for the for our teammates, and one of the things that Anne Marie helps a couple of the things that Anne Marie helps us run. Uh, one is an, an equity pay report to make sure mm -hmm. that across the board, um, along gender lines, we're not uh, paying males or females uh, disproportionately. And so it's very important. I mean, we're a woman-owned business, but it's just very important to me. Um, from a progress standpoint in society, you know, this has been, this still is unfortunately a really big issue across all industries. And I wanted to make sure yeah. that we were doing our part uh, to be paying equitably. So every once a year, Anne-Marie runs a pay equity report. Um, and if we need to make adjustments, for example, if one of the stores has gotten out of whack somehow, we have pay bans, but you know, we're across 13 locations, uh, we can adjust for that. Um, the build on from that then was the, um, a diversity report that lets us see uh, who's reflected on all of our teams. And we can break that down. Okay. So then who's reflected in leadership? What does our leadership team look like? Is it have too many women, too many men? Um, does it need more folks of color? Where are, we, where are we seeing holes? Because unless we know where they are, unless we're looking for those sorts of things, we may not either know there's a problem or know how to correct it. And so I wouldn't say uh, we never think the sky is falling. We always see this as an opportunity for making our, our team uh, more interesting and more well-rounded. That's great. And I think that that and, and we talked about that in the webinar. But, yeah, I think that that's huge is to if you don't look you're, you might not see things. And Anne-Marie mentioned that earlier as well. If you, if you aren't aware of what to look for, you might not see things. So I think um, doing a report like that and in the webinar, you talk about how you put it together. And, and I think you might have even shared some resources. So um, again, anyone listening, I highly encourage checking out the webinar to learn even more on that. I think it's important um, to just to be intentional about it. Like, yeah. let's, like the data is important, but then it's what you do with the data. 
right? And it's sure. it's about it's about your intent. Like, where are we going to put some focus? Because we have an issue that we see that we need to do better at. Because we all have things we can do better. Yeah. So when you're hiring for managers, like if a manager leaves, do you look um, internally first? And how do you kind of like, I guess, make sure that you're that you're looking at all of those different aspects and bring people of all backgrounds up to the, to have the opportunity, I guess. Like, I'm just curious. I know that's a question I didn't have on my list for y'all, but, um, I'm just wondering how, how, uh, if people are able to look at new opportunities or if they see something that's available within the company is, are there those types of opportunities for growth down the line too? Yeah. And we do actually a combination. We are huge about promoting from within, but we don't always necessarily have the right person to take on that role. So we sort of do a combination. A lot of times we'll look internally first, and if we don't find the right person, then we'll look externally. And uh, so we have 13 stores, so 13 managers, and only a handful actually came to us from the outside at a higher level than starting out as a a cashier or store associate. Um, Yeah. So... And I, I always think about it, like, it's always one of those things that's in the back of my mind. Like, are we doing what's, you know, am I am I being fair in my assessment of app, of resumes and cover letters? Sure. You know, there's, sure. there's research out there that people with, you know, less standard names or something that's more unique have a tendency to be overlooked during even just the application process. So I... Yeah realizing my own sort of like unconscious bias that I might have had previously and educating myself that you need to look beyond that and be and going back to that intentional piece of it like I intentionally talk to my like talk through my own brain like I need to be aware that that happens so how do I make sure I'm not doing it yeah and so that you're able to when you're looking to fill those roles it's not 13 white males in the top position leading every single store and it's not to say that a white male wouldn't be able be a good fit for a role but it's giving many people from many backgrounds the opportunity which i think is huge well i think um, none of us none of us want to think that we're biased right i mean at our hearts i don't no. think most people want to think they're biased um, and what has what all of the research on unconscious bias has shown us is one that we are whether you know whether it's unintentional or not, mm-hmm. but two that there are very basic steps that we can all take to eliminate it from the work world. I mean, Anne Marie's just really good at this in her HR role, but you know, scrubbing the names from an application, taking the felony yeah. box off of an application, having a diverse group of people doing the interviews. So not only is, so let's just say we're interviewing for a new manager. There's probably three or four people who are interviewing that candidate and they are male, female, gay, straight, black, brown at our company. Like, so it runs the gamut, yeah. which means that person, we're getting in, input on that person from all of those perspectives. Um, and so it doesn't just come down to Anne-Marie making the decision or me making the decision. Um, and I think that ultimate, ultimately leads to a much um, a much more diverse leadership base when you're looking at it with all of those eyes. What are some of the challenges that you might face leading a diverse team? Um, and how can you kind of reduce those challenges? I think sometimes people go, oh, if I, if I bring a bunch of people from different backgrounds or if I start doing that, which they should be, but you know, maybe some people still think that way. Um, maybe they're afraid of 
having difficult conversations or different things, what, what challenges do you think someone might be facing and, and how can they reduce those challenges? Well, I would just to jump in first, uh, if Anne-Marie doesn't mind. Sure. Uh, one, you know, I have a friend who's told me repeatedly that we will all continue to have bias, conscious or not, in our businesses if we're afraid to talk about this topic. So kudos yeah. to the organization, the association for being willing to talk about it because that's the first step. Yeah. The, the challenge really is communication. And when everyone in the sandbox looks and acts exactly the same way, they usually get along better. Um, if I've learned anything, and I really think over the last year because of COVID is that you have to say things three times in three different ways. And that's regardless mm-hmm. of the team, but certainly when, like Anne-Marie said, you're coming from different backgrounds, you have a different outlook on things, um, people need to hear things in a variety of ways. They might learn visually, they might learn audibly, um, and you have, to, you have to tell them a couple different times. The beauty of having a diverse team is that you get to talk about so many other things that you might not have gotten to talk about. You know, we celebrate Gay Pride Month, and we celebrate National Hispanic Month, and we might get to a little bit more of that later in the podcast, but that's the flip side. If people are concerned about communication being a challenge or just the differences, um, the benefits far outweigh any of the challenges with the richness that we've added to the team uh, by having all of these shared experiences. Do you have any added thoughts, Anne-Marie? Yeah, it is sort of to build a little bit on what Gina says. I mean, we still have our issues. Like, we still have complaints and disagreements and you know interpersonal relation problems right but the thing is is i will take that over a homogenous company i will take the the conflict and the disagreements any day over a homogenous company because it forces us to talk about it and address it and and all of us to grow and do better and one of our our uh, core values is to always grow and share and sometimes those disagreements force us to do that um yeah and you know, none of us are perfect and somebody will say something that, you know, to them is completely innocuous, but to somebody else is highly offensive. So it forces us to sort of have those conversations and which I think is healthy and it can be painful in the moment, but the long-term growth is really important. What advice would you give to ensure that teammates are able to understand differing perspectives from their coworkers with different backgrounds? I think this goes back to Gina's point. It's about communication. Like you've got to be open and honest and transparent. And when something bad happens, you have to say this bad thing happened and we're going to deal with it. Um, And this person did something they shouldn't have done, but we're going to provide them with the opportunity to learn and do better. And then we're going to go forward, but we're all going to, we're all going to learn from that instance and just keep talking about it. And because otherwise it just festers and becomes a bigger issue. I guess to kind of build off of that, how can your employees, like if they have something come up and they're like, that bothered me, do they shoot you an email, Anne-Marie? Do they, is there like, a, like a, a box where you can say, hey, this is on my mind? Or like, how, what's the best way for someone in your operation? How do you do that, especially with having so many employees at so many different stores? Because I'm sure for some people, they feel awkward if they're just to say, this person said this and it bothered me and, or even go up to the person and say, when you said that, that hurt my feelings. Some people might be able to, and some people might just like take it. And like you said, fester. One very important thing is, uh, I'm really easy to find. Uh, they all know where I work. Um, my email address is really easy and it's actually published in the employee handbook. So if you need me or Gina, our phone number's in there, our email's in there. Um, sometimes I find things out directly from employees because they come directly to me. I'm having an issue 
Sometimes they go to their manager and then the manager contacts me. Sometimes they go to Gina. And sometimes I hear about it like, you know, fifth hands, right? Like sometimes that happens. And, but I find out about it nonetheless, because I usually find out everything at some point in time. And because they've complained to, you know, somebody they know who works at one of our other stores or to, you know, a manager hears something, some rumbling from their team, whatever. But I end up hearing about it and then we deal with it. Um, And uh, people have also called like, you know, Ace Corporate as well. Like people will find a way to let you know if they want you to know. And but I've also had to deal with the things that I've sort of found out because of there's a rumor mill. You can't have, you know, yeah. two employees without there having being a rumor mill of some level, right. <laughs> let yeah. alone almost right. 300. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, can I just pile on to that? Do you mind? Sure. Uh, just a couple yeah, of things. So I think um, just going back to, to your original comments about um, understanding different perspectives, there's a, a book called The Energy Bus that, that we've all read, our leadership team. And, and, is that and, John Gordon? Uh, yes, I think it is. You know, and the premise- My dad's a huge fan. <laughs> the premise is you're on the bus, you're off the bus, right? And so it works for a lot of different things. I would say that when a company has created core values like ours, um, we have to draw the line when those core values are violated. You could have the best employee in the world, but if they are a jerk to other associates, uh, whether if you know they're racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever it is, they're off the bus. So you have to draw yeah. that line in the sand, regardless of how good an employee is. And so I would say that sounds like I've put on a negative hat, which I don't wear well. Um, but that has probably become more and more obvious to Anne Marie and I as we've grown as leaders. Um, building a culture of inclusion means constantly working on it, but it also means that a lot of employees don't feel comfortable in it for for talking about something that they might not, uh, if they're experiencing something bad, I guess is my point. I have been shocked at how many people have said, well, I talked about this in my old job and they fired me. We would never in a million years do that. And it happens over and over again. So when we find out, uh, Anne-Marie alluded to this, but uh, you know, yesterday we had and found out that we were having a problem at one of our locations. It was a challenge. And rather than one, accusing the accuser of being wrong, or burying our heads in the sand, we immediately called a meeting with the manager. We immediately talked through what the options are. Anne-Marie immediately sent a memo to the entire staff saying, we do not tolerate this behavior, and this is what we're gonna do to try and make it better. So that everybody as a team could see where our values lied and that we were gonna take action. That action included um, sexual harassment training, diversity training, things that that, um, ACE and our payroll provider have given us at our fingertips for free. We haven't had to pay for them. Um, And so now everyone on that team is going to be required to go through that training. The next step, though, is that if if everybody doesn't get it, they're off the bus. Um, But what it said, what the manager, you know, he immediately called Anne-Marie and I probably an hour later, and he said, I had a conversation with the upset employee, and all of a sudden she feels hurt, and she understands that it was good that she did what she did. You know, she wasn't afraid. Um, and now yeah. she knows we're talking about it. And so this may not be the end of the challenges that we have in that particular location, but I'm really proud of the team hitting it head on, not being afraid to talk about a diff- difficult topic um, and coming up with a plan very quickly on how to move in the right direction. I think that's great. And thank you for sharing that example, because I think sometimes it helps to hear um, kind of a, an outline of something that uh, that another retailer has gone through to see how you could kind of um, maybe something similar could happen in your operation. You could face it. Yep. Um, 
So I guess uh, another question I have is how can retailers handle situations where maybe a coworker and we, you kind of just talked, talked about this a bit, but if someone's being, uh, their colleague is being culturally insensitive, sexist, ageist, racist, homophobic, you know, the whole gamut of different, um, otherings that people that people do um are there situations where it just really would be important to hire an hr consultant or company to to help or like what should companies do that maybe they're smaller and and you know they want to make sure that they can stay on top of things um but so i know that's kind of a two-part question but um yeah um, i don't know what you're yeah i would say that a there are just a a ton of resources out there. Um, okay. Ton of resources. I think depending on, I think having somebody internal is really important depending on where you are in terms of size. Um, also in terms of, if you're having problem after problem after problem, you need somebody inside to be helping you out. Um, yeah. But lots of resources from, uh, I can get resources from our broker who handles all of our insurance stuff. I have, like I can call them and they can provide resources for us. Um, Gina mentioned this, the fact that, um, the web-based payroll system, HRIS, human capital management platform that we use has resources there, um, as well as, um, a number, like a hotline I can call if I need HR advice. And ACE also has, um, some ways we can get some help too, particularly from legal advice, but there are tons of resources out there. It's just sometimes about finding them and, You know, educate yourself. Uh, there's also, you know, you can find anything on, you know, on the internet if you need an answer. And I will say that I do not know every tidbit of HR and what to no. do in every situation. <laughs> but I use my resources. And I call people. And, you know, I do internet searches. And I'm very fortunate to be part of a group of HR women that we all share, like, ideas, advice, so find somebody who's smart or has better knowledge than you on a particular subject, particularly on the you know diversity, equity, inclusion. And if you have an issue, ask somebody for advice. Ask somebody who's been through it before, and they can provide you with some guidance on how to handle it, what steps you need to take. Um, and uh, then I would also say then the follow-up piece is so important. Like, just because we had an issue yesterday and we handled it very much immediately, there's going to be follow-up next week. And there's going to be follow-up in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and follow-up in a month. Like, to check in and make sure things are going. And, yes, we assigned a bunch of people a bunch of classes to, you know, make themselves more educated and understand the challenges more. And I'll be checking in to make sure everybody does it. I think when we um, when we first when we initially hired the HR consultant who helped us find Anne Marie, uh, we had 150 employees, so we were way too big. And I I think yeah. what she said to me, and this was, you know, her opinion at the time, is that by the time we got to 50 employees, we should have at least had a part time, if not full time, HR manager in the store um, or mm-hmm. you know in the company. But there are part time HR consultants. There are companies that just outsource. You can hire. You know, it's like hiring a lawyer by the hour from a, from a legal company. Yeah. You don't have to have a lawyer on retainer. None of us have one on our staff. Um, and so you can find those resources on a part-time basis for a whole host of, of HR um, yeah. topics yeah. that you actually, need. Yeah, and actually for anyone who is listening, um, again, to another plug for, for the association, but 
Um, NHPA has several business services, and one of them is uh, th we work with a company called Group Management Services, and they help with human resources tasks that you know some of the smaller and mid-sized businesses maybe they don't have the time or or the ability to have, like you said, an HR uh, devoted person. Um, you can learn more about that by going to yournhpa.org/slash. Uh, business dash services and just click on the the button about human resources to get more information um, so that might be a helpful resource too yep so what are some ways that retailers can help their employees feel like they belong in in someone's business and and matter to the team and are being treated fairly well from a you know some of the things that we do internally is I mean, we celebrate so many things like National Hispanic Heritage Month or Asian Pacific Heritage Month, which happens to be this month, by the way, and yeah. we'll be celebrating that for part of May, um, Gay Pride in June. So I think the biggest way that you can help your employees feel included is to celebrate events like this that happen throughout the year. And it doesn't have to be a big celebration. We acknowledge them in our newsletters. We acknowledge them in our customers' newsletters. So our customers know that these things are important to us. Um, and so I think just being able to celebrate those types of differences as a company makes them look important. They are important. It makes them, it heightens their importance yeah. in the whole team for sure. Um, we also do employee surveys once a year, um, at least once a year. And I think those surveys, uh, while they don't necessarily celebrate diversity and inclusion, they help pull out challenges that we may be having. It gives folks an anonymous way to for a feedback loop, basically. Um, and so, you know, I, I tend to, Anne will tell you, I tend to only look at the fun stuff. We have parties and we celebrate, but underneath all of that, there's a lot of serious work that happens that includes things like these surveys so that we can understand um, why people might be staying or if they're having challenges and, and what they might be. So uh, if you're not asking, you don't know. And one of the things that I realized bringing on Anne Marie is that we have to really ask those questions. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's not just celebrating the big stuff. Like, you know, I think those are really important, but also celebrating each individual remembering to tell, you know, each person on your team, I appreciate you. I value you. You did a good job on doing that end cap today or whatever it was that they did or handling that customer complaint, celebrating that each individual person, because it's going to develop your relationship with them and also make them more comfortable, which means they're going to be more likely if there is an issue to feel to bring it up so it's not mm -hmm. just the big stuff it's also just that individual and reminding them what they're contributing to the team and that you want them there yeah yeah well i think this is all great and like you know i can even look back and i know it's not that long ago but i started with nhpa back in 2014 when it was nrha and um it's been really cool to see like i feel especially just being in the industry, I'm seeing more and more women in leadership roles and I'm seeing more people from different backgrounds. And so that's another area that I would love to see continue to grow in our industry is seeing um, more people of color and more, more um, you know, women continuing to have, have a voice in our industry or, or if they're, you know, having to be gay or different backgrounds or whatever it may be. I think, um, as we've kind of touched on throughout this episode, just having, just bringing more people to the table, um, is going to make our industry even stronger. You know, it, the United States is not homogenous and we have the fortune of being in an industry 
that is still thriving. You know, brick and mortar is a really tough job right now and hardware is still thriving. And I think we owe it to our customers to remember that it's not a homogenous country and we can diversify and look like them and meet, meet our community where, they're, where they are and spill those celebrations out into the, com the community so they understand uh, what's important to us as retailers. So they keep coming back. You know, you can't go to a nameless, faceless entity and feel those values. You can't feel that the employees or the company actually embodies those values. But we have the benefit as a small, I mean, I still think of us as a small mom and pop business to really vocalize those values and, and illuminate them so our customers can see that's what's important to us. And I think that'll help us thrive. It'll help us stick around and, and be the place where people want to work. Um, and where customers want to shop. So it's a little bit of a soapbox, but you know, I think from a holistic perspective, um, it, it gives us an advantage and it's one that we have to take advantage of. I agree. Well, I, I really feel like this was a great conversation. Um, is there anything that maybe we didn't cover that you want to make sure um, we share with our listeners, uh, you know, are there any last kind of things you want to end the episode on? And I, I think that no matter where you start, we can always get better. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum of being inclusive and being diverse, but wherever you are, you can do better. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that, you know, Gina and I are often talk about is like, okay, so we do this well, but like, how can we do better? Like, it's something yeah. that you can always look at. We stink at a lot of stuff, yeah. don't we, Henry? I mean, we try. I know. <laughs> there are days that we're like, what are we doing? Um, I think that I think that the voice for diversity, equity, inclusion needs to start at the top. And then I think it needs to pervade. And I think that everyone needs to be on the bus. I think the one thing that we didn't say is that if you're working for a company um, and you're not the the store owner or the, you know, the CEO and you're trying to lead that voice and you're not being heard. Um, I guess one, just know you're supported and there's resources for you. And two, you just, you might finally decide you're not in the right place. I mean, I hate to say something like that, but I do think that it has to pervade from the top and, and people who mm -hmm. are championing, championing, <laughs> leading that call. Yeah, you got it. Um, I think they need to be supported. And if they're not, they need to know that, um, that uh, their voice still matters. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. Fine. I think that's great. Well, again, thank you both so much for your time today. Um, hopefully our listeners got a few more nuggets of wisdom and things that they can use. And like I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, make sure to go to your and go to the webinars page to check out the webinar and read the June issue of uh, hardware retailing magazine. But um, it's been great having both of you on and thank you so much for your time and, and willingness to come talk uh, on this topic with us. Thanks Renee. Our pleasure. Thank you. Today's retail market is rapidly changing. This year, gain the skills you need to grow your business and learn how to make a profit-focused strategy for the future. The NHPA Retail Management Certification Program will provide you with college-level training on everything from business strategy and financial management to marketing, merchandising, operations, and more. 
Classes are taught by successful retailers, industry experts, and collegiate professors. Don't wait. Classes start soon. Apply by July 1st to start your certification. Scholarships are also available. Learn more and apply today at yournhpa.org rmcp.